the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, happy Friday. It is May 19th as we get you going this hour on the program. Welcome to Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media with you this hour. Hello, Wes. Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Um, we are uh, We're starting to enter that kind of... It feels like uh, we're in the pocket now. It feels like we're in that range where Ooh, news is spidey senses. The spidey senses are tingling. Sure does feel like that anyway. Uh, we're available. Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, live on Sportsnet 960, the fan on your drive home. And we kick off this hour going inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. With new product families, member rewards, and sale events, you'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. And we kick off this hour by uh, saying hello to our buddy Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. And just kick things around and uh, where we are. Hello, franchise. When you guys talk about finding that sweet spot and your spidey senses are tingling, are you guys just referring to happy hour on a Friday? Because that's 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 the sweet spot I'm in right I now. I mean, when when you um, do that as often as I do, you know, you feel pretty confident about your spots and where you can. So I I'm, I'm less worried about that now. I I know I know where my preferred happy hours are. <laughs> well, this is a beautiful. What an incredible week. Uh, with the, I know the the smoke was a bit of a thing, but the weather is it feels like midsummer to me, and this is the perfect time to be on a patio, uh, not listening to us. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> well, you have podcasts, Francis. You don't have to listen. You don't have to listen live. You can listen later on. You can listen when it's raining. There's there's so many different options for you. That's how Wes listens. I I don't want to send your legions of fans coming over looking for autographs. But what patio are you on right now, buddy? <laughs> No, I didn't say I was on a patio. Just, <laughs> look, that's the vibe I'm feeling. I'm heading to one very soon. Though. Flames okay. fans, you can look for the guy with the fake mustache and the glasses. You know that contraption? Uh, yeah. Groucho, Groucho Francis is hanging out. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so I let, let's just kick things around, and, and there's a lot of things that um, need to be figured out for the Flames. Some feel like are imminently going to be figured out. Some a little further away from getting all put to bed. But let's let's start with this whole general manager conversation because here we are on the Friday going into a long weekend. It sure does feel like things are imminent. It feels like this is very close now. Um, the read that I've gotten is that this is very, very close. I think they, they're down to four or five guys on their short list. I think they have been been 
flying guys into the city this week on top of the internal candidates who I believe have gotten their uh, first and second interviews now. I, I think Craig Conroy remains a very strong candidate. I think Brad Pascal remains a very strong candidate. Like I, I think we're down to the short list with the two internals and three or four other external candidates. Uh, and, and I think that we're knocking on the door to some sort of announcement in the next like 96 hours or somewhere in that range. That's kind of that's kind of my read on it, but let's let's kick it around, Francis. Is that is that kind of where you're at at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I know the morning show asked me the other day, you know, when do you think this is going to happen? I think you know, I don't think there's any doubt it'll happen next week. Mm-hmm. You're you're narrowing it down even more to 96 hours, 72 hours, whatever. You know, I I, I do think that what happened in Toronto today, you know, puts even more pressure on them to just get this done. You know, you are competing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and granted, there's probably a whole slew of different people. Uh, there'll be a lot of the similarities, a lot of the same people that'll be talked to by both clubs. But, you know, uh, they're, they're clubs in different stages and, you know, different cities and different situations. But uh, you are competing still with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're competing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, and I think that in light of the fact that the Leafs, you know, which is probably the most coveted job in the National Hockey League in terms of general manager. You know, uh, if you had someone who you thought you wanted to hire, you, you want to make sure they don't go to Toronto, uh, you know, it's even more pressure for I know we're talking about the same people at all anyway, but I, they want to get this done. Listen, they've got their scouting meetings coming up here, and it's important to have that new voice come in and, and put these guys in a direction. Give them marching orders. Give them a direction. Tell them what you're thinking in terms of draft picks and, and listen to them in terms of what they're going to tell you about where they see them drafting. So I, I, I think, yeah, they want to get this done soon enough. You've talked to everybody. What more are you going to learn? Get it done. Here's what I know about the timing, and that's that those scouting meetings that Eric refers to start in the middle of next week. And we know that it was important to Don Maloney to – at least endeavor to have a general manager hired by then. You know, we've heard Don say that he thinks it's important to have the general manager in that room to outline the direction, to take that leadership role right from the start. And so, yeah, Pat, as you said, I I think this has to be getting pretty close to the short strokes now, not only because of the pinch points that Eric mentioned with the other jobs open, yeah, not only because we know that they've gone through this raft of interviews, but because those meetings are just around the corner. And and I really do think there's some internal pressure coming from Don Maloney as much as anybody to have that new voice, that new vision at the table when those start. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, if we, if we, we talk about, cause I look the, most talked about name since Brad walked away Jeez, more than a month ago now, or a month ago now, it feels like, and it feels like it's been like you know a whole lot longer than that. But the name that has been talked about most is Craig Conroy. And and Francis, I know you were on the air. I remember vividly sitting there uh, listening to you and or watching you and Ryan Leslie in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge, and and you guys kind of wondered aloud like, why aren't they just naming Craig Conroy today as Brad's replacement? And I've thought about that and and that. That conversation that the, you and Ryan had and, and that question that you brought up has kicked around in my mind ever since. And now knowing how many people, because they, they threw out an extremely wide net and they talked to, it felt like everybody under the sun in the initial stages. Like we're talking about 
a lot of people that they spoke to. And if it ends up being Craig Conroy, and at some point next week, he ends up getting announced as the new general manager, the fact that they went through the process that they did, and, and I, I mentioned this to Wes a little earlier this week, Eric, Like, does that not even bolster his kind of hold on the job and his credibility in the job that much more if they go through the process that they went through and and they decide that yes this is the right guy for the gig it feels like that kind of cements it and makes it a little bit more authoritative than had they done it immediately after brad walked away agreed agreed it's a real vote of confidence if you've gone out there and talked to the best and the brightest that are out there and around the national hockey league and you still come back and say you know what Turns out the best choice for us was right under our nose the whole time. We, we, we thought it might be, uh, but after talking to everybody, uh, Craig's our guy. And listen, if Craig Conroy is the, the new next general manager, it doesn't mean that the two or three weeks or a month now that, that they haven't had a general manager has been wasted time. You know, I think that going through the process, A, you, you know, you confirm to yourself that you think that if, if Conroy is the guy, then, then, you know, you've gone through the legwork. Um, you also make sure that you don't, you're not opening yourself up to criticism because you didn't go through the legwork. But also, you've, you've gone out there and heard some real interesting ideas from people around the league and heard different viewpoints about this team that you might not have thought about before, uh, different approaches that other guys might have taken with this team that you go, huh, I'm going to write that down. Even if, even if I don't hire you, I kind of like the way you're thinking here, and it's something that we may want to think about. And also, you may find a couple people that you may want to employ down the road. Not to say that you're going to replace Craig Conroy anytime soon, but Craig Conroy is going to want to fill out his roster with other assistant general managers. And maybe along the way, Tom Maloney says, you know what? This guy out here in this city, blah, 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 I talked to, I think this guy is fantastic, and I think he can really add to what we're doing. I'd like you to sit down and talk to him. So this has been a, a valuable process. And I, I keep going back to, remember the Bill Peters situation? And that was unfortunate for the Calgary Flames that, you know, that whole situation came up, but I, I don't blame Brad Trilliving or anybody in that. But I do think because Brad didn't go out and interview a whole bunch of guys, he just said, Bill Peters is my guy, for better or worse. You know, in light of the, you know, the crazy scenario that unfolded and cost him Bill Peters, you know, it does kind of open you up for a little bit of criticism because you didn't go out and beat the bushes and talk to all the guys and find out who else is out there. So uh, I think that this is the smart thing to do. And in the end, I think a lot of people in this city I know internally and, and around this town are hoping it's Craig Conroy. Craig Conroy would absolutely be the popular choice and, and a very worthy candidate. And I'll just sort of echo what Eric said. I think if you name him as GM immediately, if you come out on the day that you announce Brad Trilliving's departure and say Craig Conroy is the guy, well, that's a, an important vote of confidence then, but you miss, as, as Eric said, that opportunity to pick the brains of all these other candidates to get this external viewpoint of what what's Calgary missing? What do the Flames lack on their roster? What what was the issue holding the Flames back this season? Those those external opinions on that can be so valuable. You can sit down. Don Maloney had, it sounds like, dozens of yep. candidates on the phone. Well, I guarantee he asked every single one of them. On Microsoft Teams. Sorry, Microsoft. On, on Microsoft We're Teams. We're a Teams company here. I, I guarantee oh, okay. Sponsorship. He, yeah. he asked <laughs> every single one of them, who would you hire as the head coach? Well, that's good yeah. intel, right? 
because mm-hmm. now yeah. maybe you were missing a name on your head coaching list. Okay, well, I, I'm going to jot that down. I'm going to take note of that. And so I think a lot of people believe, and, and I know a lot of people are hoping that Craig Conroy is at the top of that heap when the decision comes down early next week or whenever it is. But to go out and, and chat with some other candidates, to sit down with Craig and get a real sense of of what his plan would be moving forward. I don't think that in the long term is a bad idea. It's not a bad way to go about it at all. No. And uh, I think there is something to be said about continuity. I mean, I know that this organization is very excited about a fresh new start, fresh new outlook, but I do think at various levels uh, you have to have some continuity um, and, and, and bring that, you know, that intellect from inside the organization forward uh, you know, because if someone comes in with a fresh set of eyes, there could be some obvious things that they could miss too. So anyway, I, you know, I, I'm feeling a little stronger after some conversations I've had over the last couple of days about Craig's chances. Um, but I'm not, I'm not willing to sit here right now and say that I think he's definitely getting the job. I, I'm nowhere near ready to say that, but I, I do feel stronger about that possibility now than I, than I ever have after what I've heard over the last couple of days. Francis is with us, uh, Eric Francis, Sportsnet. As we're underway this hour on Flames Talk, it's Francis Fridays, guys. Okay, let's let's uh, switch gears from the new GM and dial in on the new head coach. Uh, over the last couple of days, Wes and I've talked a lot about Mitch Love and his candidacy. Here we are on a Friday ahead of the biggest game of the year for the Wranglers. They play game number five against Coachella Valley. Their season on the line and a potential trip to the Western Conference Final. And Mitch Love has done an incredible job as head coach of the Wranglers, the number one affiliate over the last couple of years. And Eric, we, we've talked a lot, and, and Wes and the text line have really convinced me over the last 48, 72 hours or so that, look, if, the, if, this guy, if this guy is the rising star that other teams think he is, and if he's the rising star that the Flames believe that he is, and you've got a head coaching position open now, and you've got a pretty decent chance of losing him if you don't promote him now. Well, then why? If if he's gonna if he's gonna be one of those next one head coaches, why the hell not a next one head coach in your organization? It just it feels kind of similar to Conroy in a lot of ways, but like it feels like you'd be out thinking yourself if you didn't go the Mitch Love route. That's kind of that's kind of where I have have come around to over the last 48, 72 hours, but I'm curious as to where you are in that regard. I'll play devil's advocate. Like I, I certainly think that Mitch Love has to be considered as an assistant coach at the very least, no question about it. Uh, I think obviously the hire of the GM will, will go a long way towards dictating, you know, whether Mitch has a chance of being the head coach or not, but I'll just play devil's advocate for those you know, who think that love is the guy, I'll just say, there, I think there's a counter argument too. And I, I'm not saying he's not the guy. I'm just saying the counter to that is this is a team that's probably got one more year left uh, as a competitor. In, in my belief, I, I do believe that after this year, uh, you know, this, this team is going to have to do some serious retooling. And so I, I think that, you know, if this really is the belief of ownership, and the belief of Don Maloney, and they, they, you know, Maloney has said this publicly, so has John Bean, that they believe this team is very, very close. And uh, if that's the case, then, I, then, you know, I think you need a veteran coach who can show them, look, I've been there and I know how to get us over the hump. 
to be a winning team when it matters most. Uh, if you're rebuilding, Mitch loves my guy all day long. And, I, and like I said, I think they're rebuilding as early as the trade deadline this year. But I just think that there's a feeling with this ownership, with this group, that we need to win now. We've only got one or two more years left in their minds. And I don't think that calls for an AHL coach to come up and coach this team. In their mind, that's all I'm throwing out there. It's an interesting way to look at it, for sure. And, and I, I don't think you're, you're far off there. I, I've, I've expressed on this show periodically this week, you'd hate to see another organization give Mitch Love his chance, and it turns out he is as much of a rising star coach as you For think sure. he might be. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and yet what you're saying should have some sway too. You you have to you have to get the most out of this group. I I just don't know based on his results in the AHL, based on on what his resume looks like so far. I, I'm not sure that Mitch can't help you get those results right away. Oh, I, and I'm not questioning whether he could. Sure, I'm just saying that you got a veteran team, right? Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. This is a veteran team. Yeah, we we know we're going to have three or four, you know, youthful additions to the organization this year because the the salary cap will dictate it. Plus also Don Maloney has spoken to that. We need to give these youngsters more ice time, more opportunity. So we're going to see a blend, but generally speaking, this is a veteran team. And I've always just kind of thought like, just picture it. Anybody who's ever worked in any company, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a firmly entrenched organization. Let's just say it's not even sports. Let's just say it's an office and some young buck comes in and he could be a hotshot, but everyone's looking at you going, you don't know this business. You don't know this level of hockey. You don't know this company. Like, you know, and I just think it's harder for a coach coming in from the AHL and has to learn all about coaching in the NHL on the fly while also showing everybody, look, I know exactly what I'm doing and you guys need to listen to everything I'm saying. I just don't, I don't see a veteran room. I think that's a hard sell for an ownership group to say, yeah, we think a rookie coach can come in and tell these veterans how to be champions, how to be winners. While we're playing uh, head coaching happy hour here, buddy, you got a name for us? Who's at the top of your list? No, I, I, I keep saying that. I don't really want to get into that game until I know who the general manager is. Because I think that if it's Craig Conroy, I think, I think that a guy like Ryan Huska has a, as, as good a shot as anybody to be the head coach of this team. And, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm way off base, but, you know, this organization has seen how talented and cerebral we in the media have seen how cerebral this guy is you know he was a high he's been a hot shot way back you know it's been a while now but when he came to the organization he was pretty highly sought after and, and yep. well thought of and he maybe have lost the momentum in that regard as an assistant coach in calgary where the team hasn't performed that well um in the playoffs but i, I still think ryan husk is going to get serious consideration no matter who the head who the general manager is but especially if it's craig conroy I think a guy like Huska is going to get uh, a real shot. And I want to also just talk about Conroy. Guys, I think that the fact that, you know, that little weekend when Jerome came into town, courtesy of Giuseppe's Pizza, Dr. Dr. Otker. Dr. Otker. I think think that is so – that wasn't exactly calculated. But, boy, did that ever – I think that's a huge feather in Craig Conroy's cap. 100%. Conroy comes here – I think that's not that they're a package deal, but I'll put it to you this way. The chances of Jerome McGinley coming here a year from now 
when he's starting to look for the possibility of coming to an NHL organization, are a whole lot slimmer if this organization turns its back on Craig Conroy, his best friend. If you bring in Craig Conroy, I think it's a given that Jerome McGinley will come here in some capacity. And I think that's a huge selling point because that's huge PR win for this organization. And you want to talk about a hotshot youngster. Like, to me, what, what Montreal did with Marty St. Louis was transformative in the National Hockey League. The first day I heard it, I thought it was ridiculous. This is a guy with like one year of phantom hockey under his belt coaching an NHL team. What a joke. But the more I thought about it and the more I've seen and the more I, when we go to Montreal and talk to Marty St. Louis and talk to people around him, that's not the craziest thing in the world where a head coach is just a figurehead and a rah-rah guy and a guy who everybody looks up to as a Hall of Famer. And I'll let all the assistant coaches do the X's and O's and all the systems. But if the head coach is Jerome McGinley down the road, you know, not right away, but in a couple of years, uh, I think that's really enticing. And I, I, so I think that's a big part of the selling point for Craig Conroy. So Dr. Dr. Otker uh, did, did the organization a favor potentially and Craig Conroy. Well, look, and, and that's to someone that I've been pushing for a couple of weeks now is I, I can be quite confident that if they do go Conroy, that Jerome Aginla could be a part of the organization within weeks. And I know he's still got his coaching obligations in Kelowna, but I, I don't think that it's out of the question that advisor, something like that could, could be in the, uh, could be in the cards like ASAP uh, and down the road, AGM Jerome Aginla. I don't know. Like that, that's kind of the, the thing that I've been pushing AGM Jerome Aginla, as opposed to head coach Jerome Aginla. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it happens unless Conroy's the guy. And yeah, I, I think that that is a, a big time feather in the cap that Craig's got in his negotiations because you said they're not a package deal, but I can't, I kind of wonder if they are a package oh, deal, guys. I think they are. Yeah, yeah I think they I absolutely think they are. are. I don't think yeah. he. I don't think he comes otherwise. And damn that! It, yes, would it be awesome PR? Of course it would. But that's also that's also the greatest player in franchise history being a part of your organization and hasn't been a part of your organization since 2013. It's been a decade since Jerome's been associated here, and I know they got his number retired and all that type of stuff. But like for Jerome to be a part of the organization and for him to have been involved in hockey for the last little while here, and he's got some really really high profile uh, prospects that bear his last name as well. Like the. I just it feels like a win-win-win situation if you're the Flames. Jerome again, sorry, Jerome. Jerome being one of them. Like there are so many reasons that point to Craig Conroy being the top candidate for this job. That if it's somebody else ultimately that's announced, one of the big questions in this city is going to be why not Craig Conroy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as we've uh, as we've been speaking, uh, Frank Saravalli at Daily Faceoff kind of put out three names that he believes are in the finalist category on top of Conroy and Pascal, who we know, uh, and that would be Mark Bergevin, Dave Nonis, and Stan Bowman. Three other names that uh, Frank Saravalli is link- linked to the Flames as in the shortlist conversation. So that that frames it a little bit more, but. Yeah, I just, like, I, I'm with you on the continuity side. I know there are many who look at it differently and would like to see a complete fresh take, but I, I'm, I'm not quite there because I, we all know the organization wanted to bring Brad Living back, and so there was a, 
brand new vision that was started last summer for this organization and it got off to a major stumble in year one, but that doesn't mean it's going to continue to stumble in year two and year three. And Conroy was a part of that new vision, but he also has different ideas and he has different takes on things than Brad True Living did. So yes, would there be continuity? Of course there would. And I think that's huge. But I also, to your point, Eric, I don't think that it completely wipes out the whole idea of fresh voice, fresh take, fresh vision, fresh ideas. No, it would be a different approach for sure. And, uh, you know, hey, those other guys, and you know, I've spoken to so many guys I, I, that, have, that have interviewed with the team. And I, I'm not, I don't put their names out there. I don't think that does them any good. But I'm fascinated to hear their ideas. Uh, I've heard their ideas on what they want to do with this team. And it's pretty fantastic. Like it's pretty, um, whoever comes in and breathes new fresh air into this organization. And again, none of this is a slam on, on, on Brad Trilliving. Cause I think, you know, it's, it's to the, the organization's detriment that he's not coming back this year, but, but a new voice uh, can do wonders for this team. And uh, I'm, I'm so interested to see whoever it is, yeah. you know, what they're able to implement, what they want to implement, what they can implement, because, um, you know, I think we all are of the belief, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you guys believe this team is going to be very similar to last year? I do think maybe Lindholm might be gone, maybe Hannafin might be gone, and those are significant changes. But generally speaking, I'd be pretty surprised if this wasn't a very similar team to last year. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think Huberto, Uyghur, Kadri uh, are, are all here, and those were kind of the, the three main pieces of a new core. I, I hope that Lindholm and Hannafin are here because that would mean they've signed extensions, which I think would be good for the organization. I don't know. You know I'm not super confident that's going to happen. No, um, that's not happening. <laughs> but it sure would be awesome if it did. Like, oh, yeah. It yeah. sure would be awesome if, you know what, maybe the, the decision to move on from Daryl Sutter is enough to convince one or both of those guys to stay. Like, is Hannafin 26 Could yet? Be. If he's 26, then he's, uh, then he's barely 26. Or he's, like, so we're talking about a 25, 26-year-old defenseman entering his prime with 500 games, almost 600 under his belt. I think you want to re-sign that guy, and obviously we know what Lindholm's all about. I think you want to re-sign that guy. Like that'd be that'd be big for the organization if they could do that. But yeah, I mean, I I do think that the new core that was brought in are all going to be here next year. So you know, you lose Lindholm, that's a pretty significant change. It's a yeah. it's your number one center gone, um, and I think that you'd bring back a pretty sizable package the other way if you're moving them this summer. But yeah, I do think those three guys, Markstrom too. Like I, I, I think there will be a number of usual suspects. I don't think they're, I don't think they're nuking the whole thing. That's for sure. You see it the same way, Russ? Yeah. I, I guess it does depend on the GM for sure. But generally speaking, I still think it, the owner will make it very clear he thinks his team is close. And, and even if it, it's not necessarily the the vision of the new GM to return a similar team, I, I just think it's gonna. We've seen how sort of slow business gets done in the salary cap era. And I know it wasn't the case last summer in Calgary, but I, I just, I think when you start to sort of work your way through the roster and making changes, it's just not, it doesn't happen overnight. And for that reason, I think this flames team in 23, 24 is going to look yeah. pretty familiar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last topic I want to hit on here. And it's still somewhat 
related. Uh, it's Eric Francis, Francis Fridays, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg on Flames Talk. Um, it is crazy when you think about there were two GMs this summer that everybody had their eye on in terms of their last years, and we wondered whether or not they were going to be back, and there was plenty of buzz out there that both guys wanted to be back. Brad here in Calgary, Kyle Dubas in Toronto. Uh, the teams have said they wanted those guys back, and they were working on it different points in the season. And usually when both sides would like to continue the relationship, the relationship ha- continues. And, and in both cases, changes have been made. Brad walked away. The Leafs today decide to walk away from Kyle Dubas. The reason I bring that up is because Saravalli also reporting as we've been speaking, and I wondered about this. When the report first came out, the Flames were not allowing Brad to talk to other teams. I wondered if that getting out would maybe put the pressure on the Flames to allow him to talk to some other teams. How, uh... How good of a fit is Tree as the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, guys? Listen, this is this is a something that we've been talking about for over a year. That the possibility was very real that those two guys could switch jobs uh, in you know this summer. There, there's no doubt in my mind that that was a very real possibility. Now, I think the timing of the Dubis uh, firing is uh, it's probably too late. The Flames are a little too far down the road to consider Dubis, although I think they should definitely make a phone call this weekend to talk to him. No question about it. Cause you want to talk about young, innovative guys. Uh, th- those are the words that, you know, Don Malone used. I think of Kyle Dubas when I hear two words like that strung together. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't read the Twitter very often and all this. And I hear all these things. I, I, maybe you can call this breaking news right now, but I can tell you this. I have this. This is rock solid. Brad Trilling has not been prevented from talking to teams, okay? He is allowed to talk to teams, but he will not be given permission to partake in the draft. The Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't know if you guys have covered this this week at all, but the Pittsburgh Penguins draft 14th overall this year. Yes. The Calgary Flames draft 16th overall. It would be ludicrous for an organization to let a guy go and run another organization ahead of, you know, get out of his... I'm with, I know that everyone's coming down on the organization and saying it's petty, but this is just smart business, I think. And I love Brad Trilling. I'm just I'm saying that I'm fully in support of the organization not giving him permission to go to the Pittsburgh Penguins and take part in their draft. He can go be their general manager on July 1st. That's no problem. And they can talk to him right now and have it all signed, sealed, and delivered. But if they find out that he's been partaking in any of their draft conversations or meetings – then there'll be serious uh, repercussions for the Pittsburgh Penguins if we, they were to eventually hire Brad Trilovic. In the same vein, he will be allowed to talk to Toronto Maple Leafs, but he would not be allowed to partake in any of their draft activities. That's the way it is right now. I know this to be a fact. So those reports that he's been blocked from talking to other teams are all completely false. I can tell you that. Interesting. Well, do we like him as a fit for the Maple Leafs? I love him as a fit for the Maple Leafs. He, to me, is the number one obvious choice. I, there's no question in my mind. He should be their number one target. And it's not just – I know people say, well, nine years, they only got through the first round, what, three times, what, twice, whatever. The, you know, I get it. But it's a big part of the job in Toronto is to be able to work with the media, to be able to be a front man, to be able to take the heat, to be able to navigate 
in an absolute cesspool in a shark tank. And this guy is as smooth as it comes in terms of being your front man. So I, I think that Brad Schroeding is absolutely the number one target for the Toronto Maple Leafs, or at least he should be. Yeah, they should take a, a long look at, at Brad for sure. And I'm not sure, you know, we heard them say today that Brandon Pridham would, would be heavily leaned on. I'm not sure what sort of internal candidate they think they have in Toronto. But if Brad Treliving is not at the top or very near the top of the list of people to call about this job opening, then they're missing an yep. obvious guy. And just before we wrap, you mentioned this last week. I don't know if you mentioned it, Wes, on or off the air. But it wouldn't be unprecedented that a GM gets hired and isn't allowed to partake in the draft, would it? Like it's happened. It happened with um, Bill Armstrong in Arizona most okay. recently. Okay. Now, it's also a very hard thing to stop. You know, there, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to communicate these days. So trying to bar somebody from sharing any draft knowledge is, is probably easier said than done, but absolutely it wouldn't be unprecedented for a team to get permission to speak to and negotiate with a candidate with the asterisks that they won't be allowed to participate in the yeah. draft process. Yeah. And, and don't forget guys, like it's been a while and I don't remember what year they changed the rule, but you used to be able to get some compensation too, right? Like, the, the, in the, in, back in the day, and I don't know how long ago it was, but you could say, Murray Edwards could say, okay, Toronto, you want Brad Cheerleving? You want him two months ahead or a month before his contract is due or six weeks or whatever it is? That's fine, but I want a second-round draft pick. Or, here's a better one, I want a flip-flop draft position. If it, just say it was Pittsburgh, for example. You could say, Pittsburgh, you can have him, but we take your 14th pick overall and you get our 16th pick overall so that there's no concern about any chicanery uh, as we get closer yeah. to the draft. But you can't do that anymore, unfortunately, because I think that was a good system, but they, they, they banned that years ago. And Wes is right. There are all kinds of different ways to communicate these days, and yet Francis always makes me do the uh, Navy flag signaling. And, and I don't know if, it's, if you dislike me in the, the uniform or what, but he's always like, yeah, you got to communicate with the Navy flag. So I've been doing my best at that regard uh, over the last number of years. And I don't know how I'm coming along, but I, I've really worked hard on that. You know, you should be in studio, Francis, because there were some <laughs> elaborate <laughs> hand motions <laughs> that came with that description that you missed out on. I don't even know what he's talking about at this point. In time. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll join meet, the club. So, uh, like that's uh, that's a normal circumstance in my life. I'll, I'll meet you on a tee box next week and see if I can uh, replicate it for you. Sounds good. But before that, let's meet on a patio this afternoon. Perfect. Um, and perhaps see all the saddle dome in, uh, early next week. Uh, bye, Francis. Thank you, pal. See you, boys. Have a great weekend. You too, man. Uh, Eric Francis, Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca. Eric Francis Fridays. Lots to talk about. I anticipate we'll have an announcement um, sometime next week. Whether it's, I, I don't think it'll be on the holiday Monday. So even though Flames Talk will be with you on holiday Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in that pocket, I think is what we're talking about. Uh, and who knows? The Flames have been very good at not letting things leak so far this summer. They broke the tree news and they broke the Sutter news before the insiders got on it. Will they be able to do it with the next GM hire? Very curious how that ends up working out. But the Flames on their big announcement so far, two for two, on keeping it away from uh, from us media vultures. And the rink? 
And the rink was broken. Well, that we, one we, we knew there was a council meeting, was coming, so right? that. But up until right when it started to percolate at council chambers, or I think besides the flames were probably airtight on it. Those government people, they're they're leaking. We better go to break. You government leaks. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, that'll do it. Inside Hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine spirit beer today. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour continues. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you here on Flames Talk on a Friday. Uh, It is a Friday of Game 5 of the Pacific Division Final in the American League in the Calder Cup playoffs. Calgary Wranglers, Coachella Valley Firebirds Friday night from Palm Springs. And we want to bring in the Director of Player Development for the Calgary Flames. Say hello to Ray Edwards on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Because, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Game 5, but more importantly, the bigger picture. And what a winner-take-all, everything-on-the-line type game like this can mean for a lot of young players playing with that Wranglers team and some of the top organizational prospects uh, for the Calgary Flames. Say hello to Ray right now. He's with us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mr. Edwards, good to chat with you again, my friend. How are we doing? Great to hear from you guys. How are we doing in Calgary? Is the smoke cleared a little bit? Pretty much. We were at an 11 on the air quality, which apparently is bad. We're down to an 8, which is not as bad, apparently. So we're we're getting there. It's still not the funnest air you to breathe. You guys be interested better. to hear this. The our weather guy just said that we're going to get some of that smoke all the way east in Maine, which is crazy. That's actually that's two thousand. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Be careful then. It's not the it's not the most fun thing in the world, but only lasted. A, it was only really bad for about forty eight hours. So. Uh, we're cleared right. up a little bit, that's for sure. Um, what? Uh, I, and I know that uh, I know that your job is as director of player development. You've got you know you've got eyes all over the place, junior and Europe and and the American League for sure. But just how excited are you for a huge game five for the Wranglers? Oh man, I mean, just watching the series so far and trying to stay up that one that one game, I just couldn't do it. If, it was it was way too late here on the East Coast, but uh, just watching these guys, you know, battle like they have, and um, you know, the other night was a heck of a game to watch and to watch our young guys, you know, play the way they are, like Cole Schwint with a big goal to to get the game winning goal, and just just watching these guys raise their game and raise their pace and competitiveness. I mean, that's exactly what you're hoping to see. So. Um, you know, real excited to see tonight, obviously want these guys to find a way so they can keep going and keep sort of this, you know, this development and watching them play in these tough situations where the temperature rises and everything's on the line and the pace and the competitiveness is at an all time high. That's you want these guys to get a taste of what that's like. Well, and, and that's kind of where we wanted to go with you because 
You know, you take a look at whether it's Jacob Pelche or Dustin Wolf or Emilio Pedersen or Jeremy Poirier, or you can go you can down the lineup and how many relatively young players are on this team. Yeah, there are absolutely some veterans that that help with the uh, with with help having some of the experience there. But even you talk about Klapka and Dewar and so on and so forth, a lot of organizational young organizational prospects. And I just you know, here's a second straight do or die. You need to win game for the Wranglers. And I'm just curious your thoughts on how that helps in development. And as you mentioned, playing in games where the temperature's a little higher. What what does that mean in your philosophy to a player's development? To, to me, it's all about gaining, gaining experience. And you could argue, and I'm sure we could debate this, but other, other than the National Hockey League and maybe the Olympics, this is probably the the highest competitive, you know, um, you know, type of situation where these kids would play, and so you want them to be in these situations to gain uh, trust that they can do it and they've experienced it and they've been through it, so that when you know these things happen at the next level, they can they can you know go back and and you know take experience from this game, from the last game where everything is on the line and be able to take it further. So, I mean, hey, it's it's stressful to have to play in them. I think it's probably more stressful for us and the coaches than it is for the players. They they get to go out there and just play. But I think it's for us, just in terms of evaluating, it's really interesting. To, it will be interesting to see how these guys respond again tonight. Mitch, it's been a second straight year where the Mitch. Uh, I was I was going to ask you about Mitch Love Ray. Uh, <laughs> it's been a second straight year where the Wranglers have finished near the top of the the American League, and they are here a game away from going back to the Final Four like they were last year. And Mitch Love has been the head coach uh, in both of those seasons. What has made him such a great fit with your young players? What has made him so important when it comes to the development of this organization's prospects? Great question. And, and, and I think Mitch leads that group of coaches there. And I think the number one thing, guys, is his uh, buy-in to understand that, you know, development is number one. And, we want to win, and we and I think winning is really important, and having a winning environment is really important in this in this process. But he understands that you know the future of the team, the Calgary Flames, um, is in a lot of these young guys, and they have to they have to go through these these situations and have some of these growing pains. And having done this, guys, uh, at the American League level, I I understand how hard it can be, and there's there's situations where you you certainly want to put out the guy that's got a thousand you know American Hockey League games, but maybe you have to put out the Cole Schwentz and the Connor Zaries and the Jacob Pelches because they have to figure out how to deal with these situations, and they're not going to do it if they're not getting put in those situations. And I think that's the number one thing with that coaching staff, and I've got to spend a lot of time with them over the year. And they get that and they embrace that and they're excited about that. And I think they have a real passion to help those players go through those situations and get them to the National Hockey League. 
We're chatting with Ray Edwards. He is the Flames Director of Player Development. Joining us this hour on Flames Talk on a Friday, it's Pat and Wes Gilbertson. Ray, how are you? Hey, Wes, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. I, uh, I'm i curious, you mentioned how valuable this experience is. You you coached, for the, coached in the AHL as well for a long time. You're on the development side now. How close are these Calder Cup games in terms of being an indicator of what a guy might eventually look like or be capable of at the NHL level? Well, they're really close. I think the, the biggest thing is that, you know, every, you know, that term you hear coaches say all the time that every play matters. In the NHL, every play matters from the first game of the season because it's so tight. The parity is so close. You know, I don't know what we ended up missing this year, but it couldn't have been more than two or three or four points. Like, so that is, that's one of the things in the playoffs is stressed every day. And uh, Dave Tippett used to tell me this all the time. Uh, One thing I learned from him was this, when you're coaching, you have to stress that, you know, no matter what the situation is, no matter um, the score, no matter the time, games can change, momentum can turn and every play does matter. And I think the, the sooner that our young players understand that, that every play is magnified, um, that will help them in their quest to play in the National Hockey League. And, and for a lot of these guys, as you know, go back to training camp last year, for those guys, every play mattered in training camp. And we know that some guys had a tougher time than others, but they have to bring that mentality right to training camp next year. Let me ask you about a couple individual guys. And the first one I, w- I want to touch on is Adam Klapka. He's a guy who was sort of a standout in Penticton. And there was definitely an organizational push to pump the brakes a little. Hey, this guy, he's going to need some time in the minors. You know, let's let's be patient. He's obviously a fascinating physical specimen at six foot eight, but he's leading the Wranglers with four goals in these playoffs. And I would say limited ice time as a fourth liner. How have you seen Adam sort of progress throughout the season and then into these Calder cup playoffs? Well, again, I have to give a lot of credit to that coaching staff there. Number one, I think early on they, they needed to have patience because there was definitely some growing pains in terms of the level of play that Adam was used to playing, uh, the style of play, the structure, that we play with versus what he's played with in the past and just the jump going from where he was the last couple of years to this level. So I think initially, obviously in Penticton, he had a really good camp stood out. And then the reality of the American hockey league sort of hit and there was definitely some growing pains. And I, again, I give them a lot of credit. They, they continue to work with them. The amount of time that these coaches and the development staff, Marty Jelena, Darren Romerdahl, Danielle, Fujita that they spend with these players to continue to bring them along and continue to to uh, push confidence and the skill development and understand you know how they have to play Um, I give them all a lot of credit because they all had to have patience and I think that's what you're seeing now and you know Adam Adam is a big body a strong man he's he's a you know he's still a young a young player in terms of experience but he is a man, and that is a huge uh, that that plays a, to a big benefit to him uh, in this type of series because it's so close, it's so tight, it's tightly contested, it's it's very competitive. But his body 
he can handle that. And I think that's why you're seeing, you know, those types of, you know, the type of success that he's having. And what about Cole Schwint? I, I know my eyebrows were raised when he was a healthy scratch on the first night of the playoffs. And, and now we've seen him in the lineup every night since he he's on the power play. He scores the only goal and, and Dustin Wolf closes it out in, in game four to force game five tonight. What, uh, what sticks out for you when, when you watch Cole these days? Well, the first thing I think I would like to bring up is as is, is, is hard as that is to have to make that decision in game one, um, sometimes players do need that little jolt just to say, this hasn't been good enough. Um, there's another level to your game. We believe that there's another level. And, you know, it's a fine line between development and playing and playing all the time and, and learning that there's a, there's a standard that you have to play with. And I think, I think that obviously was a tough decision. And, and I know the coaches really had a tough time with it, but you can see now that it did give Cole a, a jolt. And I think the number one thing that I see guys in his game is that he's raised his competitiveness. He has become really hard to play against him. And when I, when I say hard to play against, it's not that he's running people through the end boards, it's winning puck battles, winning face-offs, winning races, being first on pucks, um, just being ultra competitive. And then, and then because he's doing that, he's playing a lot quicker. So his pace has, has ratcheted up and he's got way more urgency to him. Um, and, and because he's doing that, he's, he's become a real effective player and he's put himself in a good situation to succeed. Ray, it's uh, it's awesome that they're here. We're really hoping that uh, come our next show on Monday, we're talking about who they're playing in the Western Conference Final. And you know, I know talking to Mitch every week and and getting the opportunity to pick his brain. I know they're confident going into Game Five on Friday night. So we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, the uh, development opportunities keep on coming this spring for some of the top prospects. It's uh, awesome to catch up with you, my friend. Uh, hopefully, you're not up too late watching Game Five. Hey. Guys, I appreciate it, and we'll be watching, and hopefully we uh, we get to keep this thing going. Absolutely, we'll uh, we'll see you in Nashville as well. You got it, guys. <laughs> see you, see you, Ray. Look forward to that one. Uh, I know I'm counting down the days. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. See you, fellas. Uh, Ray Edwards is the director of player development for the Calgary Flames. As he starts to wrap things up this hour with us, he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or deliveries at 403-248-3344. Sure Sure would be cool if the Wranglers were able to take game five. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, but you never know what happens in those one game showdowns. And you know what, if, if they don't, and if our next hour on Monday, we're talking about the Wrangler season coming to an end, that's okay too. Uh, they had a hell of a year and they ran just so happens that in this best of five, they ran into the other best team in the American hockey league. I no shame. If they lose game five, I think they can, I'm feeling good about them doing it. And uh, sure would be cool if this continues. It's been a fun run. Yeah, and I I really don't think it can be understated the value of these type of games for prospect development. What, win or lose, what tonight does for Dustin Wolf and for Jacob Pelche and for Connor Zary and for Jeremy Poirier. And you go up and down the list, the, the guys we don't talk about as often, like Adam Klapka and Jan Kuznetsov, 
as these guys try to work their way to become full-time flames, these are the nights that are going to benefit them the most. Yep. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too, buddy. He's Wes Gilbertson on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Producers this hour have been Cam and Taylor. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a keyed-alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.